Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special episode of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, and we are delighted to be with you. So we have a very special program for you tonight that we're going to air very shortly here. Father Nathan Cromley, a native son of this particular area, and it is a talk that he gave actually in our living room, something we called a Kingdom Builders Evening. We invite couples periodically who are supporters of Mass Impact to gather for a prominent speaker who encourages, challenges, and inspires us. And this particular talk, uh, with very little prompting from Father Nathan, as is often the case, he was quite prophetic in addressing kind of what our mission is all about. So just to prompt and pique your appetite a little bit, which of us do not need a context of support and encouragement and even challenge. I mean, how many of us really feel like we are tracking in the spiritual life in the way that we might as a child sitting down at the piano and getting better and better at piano or say a sport? How many of us feel week after week that truly we're becoming more fully disciples and all the fruit that comes from that discipleship, experiencing a joy a serenity in our marriages, in our families, that we have a delight that our children and our homes are responding well to the world around us. The, the trademark of, of the parishes that are really thriving, the trademark of people who are really growing in discipleship again and again, we're hearing it said, is small, committed, faith-sharing groups. And if you're in one, praise God. You're already there. You already know what I'm talking about. But if you're not, or you're looking maybe for something a little different, again, I'm just going to echo what I've said before. Um, Consider joining a seven-week, manageable, committing yourself to every night of a regular weeknight that works for you of a faith-sharing group beginning January 13th with this awesome retreat with Father Nathan Cromley. I'm going to direct you again to massimpact.us forward slash lit marriage. Now, Father Nathan Cromley. My life is real where it's shared and where I give to other human beings who give back to me, where I have to be vulnerable, where people see my weaknesses and where I need and get as much out of it as they do. I don't approach you tonight as a know-it-all speaker. I approach you tonight as a humble brother in God who's been asked to lead you further, but I'm going to assure you I'm going to get more out of this than you. Because in the end... I'm just a brother in Christ like you. And the more that I stay in that perspective, the more that I want to preach and the more that I think my words will be true because my focus is not my ministry. My focus is my communion with my family, the church. Now, I just gave you that like a little little summary. I decided to turn the radio thing down. They're like, we're going to make you a star, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, no. Because what I started thinking about is I started thinking about the young people. I'd launched a school of evangelization. I had 12, 20-somethings living with me 24-7. I was driving them to the March for Life all the way from Illinois, you know. I was laughing with them. We're singing hymns on Easter Sunday. I'm listening to them cry, hearing their confessions, picking them up off the ground, coaching them all in this little community that nobody ever notices. 
And I was just weighing the two. Two million people or 12. And I was like, the 12. Hands down. Any day of the week. Why? Because God is there. Here, there's a charism. Here, there's sanctity. I wouldn't want to live without my kids. And I wouldn't want to live without my brothers either, but the brothers, you can, it's fine, they'll let you do that. But my kids, kids are something that tie you down. Kids are something that you invest in. They take, 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 and they never give back. Except they laugh every once in a while. They have these glorious moments where they're just like, it's just like you're, everything in the world is the way it should be, you know? And then some girl starts crying. <laughs> like, that's reality. That's real. That's true. That's beautiful at the same time because if you're there for them then, then you're really there for them. Now, that's in my own little journey. So I've decided to invest my life in my young people. I've decided to invest my life in my small community. I've decided to be forgotten and lay on the desert floor wrapped in a, wrapped in a thing and the, do that the rest of my life. If... God can ignite a fire in the heart of even one of them to let them loose in this world to make a difference. And I have a feeling he's not going to light a fire just in the hearts of one. He's going to light a fire in the hearts of many. My hope is to be hidden behind the scenes, but to unleash an entire movement of young people who each one of them found families that are rooted in God. And I say that seriousness is the segue into the second part of the talk. And that is the point is to found families that are rooted in God. You could say why. Wouldn't it be better to do all kinds of great things, writing books for Jesus, making a ministry of your service, doing all this? I say, oh, that's really great. I'm not putting that down at all, but I want to focus you down on something. Just like for me, the reality of who I am does not come from what I do, but it comes from the quality of my engagement and my relationships. So too, your ministry in the church does not come as a task that can replace the essential commitment you made to your family. And this is where I want to focus you now. John Paul II, Familiar's Consortio, asked the question, what is the purpose of the family? Paragraph 17, he gives an amazing response. He says this, the mission of the family is to be itself. See what I mean? It's like, it kind of like, you're like, oh my gosh. I feel like it's like a priest when he starts talking about the Trinity, you know? Like the most incredible thing in the world. But if I bring it up, y'all are just like, okay, like at the Trinity. Yeah, I do. Like, if I was like, did your attention, I'd be like, and then the devil can possess souls. <laughs> the devil, yeah, he's, he's probably in this room right now. He's right behind you. You know, you're just like, oh my gosh. But like, God just totally bores us. So at the same time, when I say that the mission of the family is to be itself, you're like, uh, but I want to show you how wonderful that is. What he ends up saying is that to be itself means that the love of God is given to this world in the strongest and realest way by family love. That's why y'all have a sacrament. You have a sacrament that we don't have at holy orders. The sacrament of matrimony. In that sacrament, the love of God exists between the two of you and radiates through the two of you into this world. You've got the real presence of the Eucharist and you have the real sacramental presence of Christ in your marriage by the acts of your love, every act of your love. Because you're not just human beings. This is where I'm getting deep, so get ready. We're not just living like, you know, Bill and, Bill and Frida. I love you, you love me, let's get married. As a Christian, it's I in all of my vocation 
as a Christian being redeemed by Jesus Christ with a heart that's been redeemed, give all of that redeemed love in the love of Jesus Christ to you. And I'm asking you to receive it. I want you to be saved by me. I'm the principal agent of salvation in your life. And if I take that responsibility seriously, holy smokes, that means that I got to convert myself because like that person has been entrusted to me so that I get them to heaven. And therefore, I've got to defend them and, and I've got to work with them, but I've got to love them with the love of God. And now all of a sudden, our marriages go upwards. And sometimes what the devil will try to do is he'll try to replace that because that's so irreplaceable. And he'll say, no, go outwards. Get busy with all kinds of things. And I'm like, yeah, get busy with all kinds of things at like a fountain that goes up first and then shoots out at the top. But if you just start by going out, you turn to a mud puddle. <laughs> Not called the mud puddles. All right, so what's that fountain that goes in? It's me realizing that my relationship with my spouse is a sacred entrustment from God to me for which I am responsible. Now, my spouse can go crazy. We all know this. I'm not saying a successful marriage is in your hands. What I am saying is that you own a marriage, successful or not. And that you say to yourself, darn it all, this is my call is to work at it all the way until the end. And yeah, sometimes it doesn't work out. You can't control that. But what you can control is your commitment. And there you got to control it. And there's where your mission comes. Because it's not, first of all, the kids. And it's not, first of all, the needy priests. Even though I am needy, I'd be happy to make appeal at the end of this talk. <laughs> it's not, first of all, that. It's not, first of all, your work. It's, first of all, your spouse. So it's like, now you say, like, how is that a mission? I'm going to show you how. This is practically what it looks like. He goes on and he says, in the end, what that looks like, be yourself, give love to the world, is three things. Guard, reveal, and communicate divine love. I added the word divine because he needed to. Guard, reveal, and communicate <laughs> divine love. All right, so now let me break that down for you real practically. What does this look like in your family? To guard love. Okay, so this means, uh, I love the fact we have a fire because that's what it means. To guard is, in English, it means like to shield something in like our modern English. But it actually has a broader connotation. It means to keep, like to tend. So I would guard the fire by feeding it. And so I would keep alive, like you keep preserves. You could even say that they keep well. That's that same word, to keep and to guard. So when he says to guard love, it's a Europeanism type of thing where he's actually meaning that connotation of you got to keep it alive. You got to keep it fresh. You got to invest in that token of divine love for your family. Now that's cool because like suddenly it's like, it's not just me loving people. It's me. How do I keep my love fresh? Now, so for each other, but also for the kids, how do I keep my place? A place that when you come into the house, you're like, there's a freshness here of God. It's one of the signs of the Holy Spirit. Is that there's a renewal, there's freshness. We can't allow our faith to become stale. We just keep going. Like our faith means uh, we're going to say the rosary. I kneel down. Our Father, art in heaven. It's like okay, that's fine. That's really good. But like, where's your love? Where's the freshness in yourself? Don't look for a priest to give you freshness. Look to God to give you freshness. Don't look DWT. Look into your heart and say to yourself, faith is always fresh. When my, when 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 the practices of the faith become preponderant in my life, I can lose that zest, that newness. The sign of it will be your hope. The sign of the Holy Spirit is hope. Ask yourself, do I still have hope? Do I guard hope? Have I chosen to hope? Hope means there's going to be a way. 
no matter how bad the diocese is, no matter how bad the parish is, no matter how bad my family is, there's going to be a way. I mean, St. Peter was like, you want me to walk on water? God's like, yes. He's like, okay. Boom. And he walked on water. We all emphasize the fact that he went down. I like to emphasize the fact that he walked on water first. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, he went down, but that's not the whole story. The story is he walked on water. There is a way. Jesus reprimands his disciples when their hope gets lost. You of little faith. Oh, they're like, I mean, we're about to drown in a boat. I think my faith is okay. He's like, no, it's little. He rebukes the, the wind and the sea and they instantly become calm. You of little faith, why did you doubt? He said, I doubted because my wife is half crazy. I doubted because my kids are half crazy. I doubted because they don't have a job. Okay, fine. God looks at you and says, why did you doubt? And I have to hit you with that, not to say that the world's problems aren't real. I suffer from them as well. But to say that more real than the problems is a God who rose from the dead and who has summoned you to be with him. I can't allow the problems to define me, neither in my country, nor in my parish, nor in my family, period. I've got them, but they don't have me. They're the guy, Tiger. I've done a lot of, like, as I've worked to launch my own ministry, I've had a fight so hard. It's been a process of maturation unlike anything else I've gone through in my life. And to like, I've got a lot of really bad moments of down darkness of just being like, this is never going to work. Why am I doing this? I'm all by myself. Nobody cares. All that kind of stuff. And so like to cheer myself up late at night as I find myself falling asleep at my computer, I would go to YouTube and I'd watch Navy SEAL videos. <laughs> and so I've watched approximately 65 Navy SEAL videos on YouTube. I mean, it's like really ridiculous. I know the ones that go back to my favorite ones and watch them again, you know. And I was drawn to these men, the special forces operators, because they're trained to be stronger than the war. The whole thing is you become someone who actually is, is, is tougher than what they're throwing at you. So that they can throw anything at you and you keep calm and you fulfill the task for which you were there because the battle's actually inside your soul. You have more war and more dedication in you than the enemy it has to kill you and once you have that you win i watched the last two minutes of the rose bowl i encourage you to do this it's on youtube again it's late at night it's like the last two minutes of the rose bowl i want to watch this you know and so it was amazing right this one just happened you guys all remember usc came back and beat penn state one of the greatest comebacks of all time the highest scoring rose bowl of all time watch the last two minutes as when usc drives down that field with a freshman quarterback and scores you know they're going to win there's like this energy that comes through the computer screen all this time later of the crowd, of the people, of this mindset of victory. And then when you watch Penn State take the field, you're like, he's going to throw an interception. Three passes, interception on the third pass. You just knew it because they were defeated going in. And I like to say that the trick of the Navy SEALs is that you're victorious such that nothing can stop you. You have it inside of you. And what I love about that is that Man, if I could take that same ethos, that's called Christian hope. They don't have Christian hope. we got something even stronger than that. But a Christian hope is to say, the whole church might fall into ruin, but the church right here will never fall into ruin. Why? Because Jesus Christ has claimed me and I have claimed him. And as long as I stand in faith, then God is victorious on this piece of ground. And if I'm a head of a household, guess what I get to do? I get to claim this house for Jesus Christ. You get to guard love. You must guard love because this is your mission. If you surrender your homes to despair, if you surrender your homes to any kind of spirit of just like defeat, my gosh, don't blame the priest, okay? 
It's not the fact that he's a lousy preacher that you have defeated yourself. It's that you have chosen to surrender the one piece of ground that was given to you. Your wife. Your husband. Forget it. Stop. That's where your conversion starts. It's right there inside of you saying, I will marry this person. I will raise these kids. This is where my battle lies. How awesome is that? Why? Because I've been called by God to guard love and it's right here. It's really cool. How can you do that practically? I want to give you just a couple little tidbits. Number one. Now, this is something that's like new territory for Father Nathan because this is like, you know, I've never been a big proponent of it, but the more that I'm a priest and the more I work with marriages, the more I'm like, I just got to bring this up, guys. You need to be praying together. I know right away, all your hackles are up because you're like, ah, we don't do that and it's fine. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Here's why you need to pray together. I'm not saying you need to bond together in prayer. That's some people are just made for that. They're like, honey, you want to pray together? Yes, that'd be so great. Okay. <laughs> I'm not that way, which is why I've never thought about it. I'm just like, you know, like, I really would rather be alone. I'm a monk. Okay, so goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> pray. That's why I live in silence, everybody. So pray by myself. Some people, again, though, that's just, it's the equivalent of talking is them to pray together. So great. So I'm talking, though, that even if you aren't that way, you need to do it. And here's how, and here's why. Because you are the spiritual heads of your home. And you are the spiritual heads of your family. And you are the priests of God's grace for that home and for that family. You took that marriage bond to be the source of grace for kids that depend upon you. So when I say pray together, it can, of course, become elaborate, but can also be extremely simple. One Our Father, every day, for your kids. And I say you say it, if you can't do it together, you say it as a commitment to each other alone. And I just want to tell you, here's how you be a Catholic man. You get a cross, preferably you make it. You make it out of wood. It's like the movie The Natural by, with Robert Redford, where the dad dies by lightning strike in the tree, and he takes the wood of that tree, and he makes Wonder Boy. The baseball bat of all time. And it was the tree from his dad's death. I mean, okay, that's really cool. Maybe you have a piece of wood like that. Maybe you have an old piano. You've got a part, piece of the siding from your house. You can go back to where you were raised and get some sort of wood that's laying around. I don't know. If you can, it's even better. But if you can't, 84 lumber works just fine. <laughs> but get a piece of wood that you make out of your own. Why? Because it's your gift to your family. It's your legacy. It's your cross. And you make a cross for your kids. And you put that cross, I know this because I know one family that did it. They made a big, I'm surprised, this big. And they put it right there over the couch. And the idea is that every day, dad, especially, mom with him, because I mean, like, what mom wouldn't do this, but like, if she sees her husband doing this, but dad, especially, you make a covenant every single day. I'm going to kneel on my knees in front of that cross. And I say, one, our father for my family. Our father takes 22 seconds. By the time you get your rickety bones down and up again, you're at 30 seconds. Don't do it in Latin, don't do it in French, don't sing it, don't roll on the ground, don't play in the fields. <laughs> Kneel down though, because you owe it to your family. And praying together, husband and wife, it doesn't have to be, but it's like it's a spiritual duty because you're each other's guardian. So here's the challenge for you. Every day, so dads, I encourage you to do that on your own, because then what is he going to do with that cross? Every day he knelt in front of, he's going to give it to his firstborn son at the moment of his wedding and say, this is your family cross, and I want you to pass this down in the family. Another thing that you can do, it's really simple, and I really encourage you to do it, save up your money and buy an awesome chalice. I mean a $3,000 chalice. You're like, ah, oh, save it up for a long time. 50 cents a day, puts that chalice in your, in your thing, but get a humdinger, 
that you're proud of. Because what you're going to do is every day you're going to ask your pastor every year to do one Mass for the family. You invite your whole family. You say, guys, I don't care if you practice or not. This is the family Mass. It's the tradition. I'm Grandpa, and you're coming to family Mass. At that family Mass, he uses that chalice, and he prays for the family. You imagine how powerful that is. And you say, I'm going to pass this down to my eldest. It's tradition. Hey, golly, George, you guys, you're free. Be creative a little bit. Why just be like, well, we got to get together at our parties and we got to talk. Let's stop doing it. It's so boring. No wonder your kids are on the iPhones, you know? Get a little bit creative. And I even get a lot creative because we have to have this zest in our lives. I know one grandma who does a great thing. The kids come over, she has the iPhone basket. Everyone's got to put their phones in the basket. Grandma puts it up above, above the refrigerator and that's it. You're playing with your cousins. Why? Because for the next four hours, your little sixth grade text does not matter. Here you play with each other. Guys, I mean, like, why aren't you doing it? We all know we should. Why aren't you? And you're like, well, because of the family relations. All right, start working on those family relations. Stop ignoring them. Because if your kids you, or your brothers and sisters aren't going to obey and do that, well, then that's where you got to start working because what the heck? Let's unite ourselves because otherwise you have grandkids and they got rich, rich ones and they got their iPhones and then you got the poor ones that don't. And guess what the rich ones are doing? They're like going <laughs> and they're playing video games and your other little grandkids, they're not getting anything. Now you got family division based upon materialism right in your family. Just get mad a little bit, but also get creative. Are your parties fun? Is your house beautiful? Do you have something that shows that you're going that extra mile to guard love? Because love is creative and fresh. It's never defeated and old. What a cool thing for me to say, I'm going to invest my energy there in my backyard. <laughs> invest my energy into games. I'm going to invest my energy somewhere that shows my family that it's number one. Because the more I choose them, the more that God's blessing and His presence will be real in my life. Guard love. Second, he says that the family is called to reveal love. Okay, so what that means is kind of cool. He doesn't elaborate on it. This is just me developing this with my knowledge of what John Paul II is like. So this is just, but I, he, that's all he says is reveal love. Then he goes on. Reveal love. It, this is a cool part. It means to reveal something is to tear away the veil in Greek. Okay, so it's like revelation. It's actually the apocalypse, which is to tear away, away the veil. And that means that there's a realm where there's not, and then there's a realm where there is, and you break away that divide. This is an aggressive call. To reveal love means I need to go into the darkness with the light. I need to bring the merciful love of God to my family relationships. And so the first thing I have to do is ask myself, am I the one that's guarding the darkness? If I am, it's time to come to a real confession. So yes, we know you were impatient with the kids, but let's talk about the fact that you stole your sister's, your, the, the inheritance that was due to your sister because you wanted it. I really, really wanted mom's plates. So I know that she wanted to give them to, you know, to Julie, but I really, really wanted them. So I just took them from Julie. And I said, come and get them. I know families like this is ridiculous. And then they end up suing each other about mom's plates. And then they're all their kids don't talk to each other. And it's all because this one was a real jerk. So if there's any real jerks that are sitting in here, your soul's in jeopardy over plates. I mean, I hate to tell you it, but like no one else will tell you. I get to leave afterwards. You know? <laughs> You cannot fight over money, and yet you do. All of us do, because all of us, it says, money is, the love of money is the root of all evil. So we've got to, no, I've never heard a priest talk about greed, but like we got to. 
right? Because we're all scared. If we talk about greed, you won't give us any money. Well, then who's greedy here, you know? Yeah, like, well, yo, keep on giving, you know? It's like, no, you cannot do this. And I've seen families divided about it, and you have to be attentive as parents to watch over it. So what I'm saying here, how do you reveal love? It means, this is so beautiful. I need to heal my spouse, and I need to heal myself. And if I am the cause of it, let my spouse actually tell me. And when she tells me that I'm the cause of it, darn it all, listen. Listen, you got one marriage. You got one family. You're going to lose everything else. The thing you're going to carry into heaven is your family bonds. Because God is like, I created that family with you. I mean, darn it all, live it well. We're all going to die. I'm already 40 years old. I'm at the 50-yard line. I'm only 40. Some of you guys are a little more on the 80-yard line here. <laughs> Coming on in, our home base. So you got to start looking and start saying, okay, what do I need to change in myself? Because I need to reveal love and I will let other people reveal it. But that also means that, hmm, maybe that revelation of love, I need to look more positively on the defeats in our family. Because I've seen them. The, the, the number of perfection, perfect families, it's, it, they do exist. There's like one in every about, you know, three million. And you're just like the van traps to reveal love. To reveal love means, okay, the imperfections in your families and into your children. Number first thing you've got to do is stop beating yourself up about them. The fact that you're a sinner has been a well-proved fact. You don't need to tell anybody else or be more convinced of it. Okay, so like, is it your fault? Sometimes, sometimes. But I've also just seen, I mean, you're doing a great job. And the kid's just ornery. He's born ornery. He's just ornery. I mean, and then you're just like, it's my fault. I'm not praying the rosary enough. It's like, you know, I don't know if that's the case, but I would not ever whip you for what you're trying to do. That can happen. Sometimes the devil just gets them. They got in that relationship. That 14-year-old girl got in that relationship with that other 14-year-old girl and her little group of friends, and they all went downhill, and you tried to save them, and before you know it, like, you know, she's all kinds of problems, okay? So it's like the devil's out there, and he, he goes, and you can do the best you can. But what do you do when it doesn't work out? When your marriage doesn't work out and you have to call a divorce, what do you do? It's like, well, you just kind of like sit on the sidelines because basically you're done. I'm like, no, I'd like to reveal love to you this night. I'd like to reveal the image of Jesus Christ crucified as our Lord, who died with wounds and who fell three times before he reached the summit of his cross. And he died in a way that shamed him in front of Pontius Pilate. Man to man, king to king, face off, Jesus loses. He died so soon, he was amazed. It's only been three hours. The thieves lasted longer than Christ. He was beat up by the soldiers. He did not fight back and then beat them all down. He took hits. He was humiliated. He was shamed. He was a defeated father whose kids rebelled against him. Judas left him. Peter denied him. And in the Gospel of Mark, it actually says, all fled. Even John, all fled at the moment of the agony in the garden. They all fled. He got arrested. He's looking around, you know. He had one faithful one that was Our Lady. Everybody else failed him. Jesus dies alone. What kind of fruitfulness? His church in disarray, covered with wounds. And you say, why? And I think it's because he's showing us that we're going to probably end the same way. His Victory was not in the outside. His victory was in his faith. He didn't have faith, but his turning towards the Father and the charity in his heart as he offered himself for that broken world.
So what am I to do with a husband that stops loving me? What am I to do with kids that rebel against me? What am I to do when the devil gets them? My friends, you're to pray. And you're to pray through it. And you're to be one with our Lord on that cross. And you refuse to let go of them. And you refuse to let go of him. And you stand there crucified like Christ, but hanging on to the east and the west. And the further they run away, it doesn't matter. I will never let go of you. And I will never let go of my God. And there you bear witness that will save. And God continues to use their own pain that you're suffering to do the healing. And you might say it's not true, but it's true. There's all kinds of saints' lives that can bear witness to it. There's all kinds of uh, the period of ours as a priest. There's one saint I love very much. And I can never remember the darn guy's name. He worked in like Guam or I don't, a tropical island way in the middle of the South Pacific. And he worked there for 20 years as a missionary. He didn't make a single convert. Not a single one. Do you know who it was? I can't remember the name, but I know the story. Didn't make a single convert. Then he died. And upon his death, the entire island converted. So now they're 100% Catholic. And it was because this, they all go back to this priest that at the time they totally rejected. Your, every single one of your tears is shed with the power of Jesus Christ because you shed it in charity. And so sometimes you have to harden yourself on the outside. You have to draw lines. But on the inside at the same time, you pray for those who persecute you like King David prayed for his son Absalom who rebelled against him, threw him out of Jerusalem, tried to take over his empire. But when he cried, or when he died, David wept like a child and mourned, Absalom, Absalom, my son, Absalom. He never stopped loving. And so that revelation of love is right there. I have to first lay claim in my life to the, the unsurmountable victory of the resurrection. So if you haven't, there's your mission. Don't go around, I got EWTN coming into town, or I got to go and help with the Boy Scouts, or I got to coach another basketball team. That's all wonderful stuff, but at the same time, man, where are you in your faith? Where are you in your faith? And you're like, I don't know. Well, this is the place to be. And you've got Father Mike, got your back. He's here. You've got your local pastors, got your back. And suddenly Catholicism becomes real. Your confessions become real because they're about you, about you. It's about me reclaiming my soul, my life, kneeling in front of my God and saying, I am a sinner and I need you. Isn't that beautiful? If you started praying like that, my gosh, you would start to have a relationship with him that's over and above the evil. And when the stuff hits you, you bring it into the fire. I will burn the brighter. I will burn the warmer for everything that you throw at me because God's love is real. It's as real as me. Third mission. And that's the mission of communicating love. So guard, reveal, and communicate. I love this. It's such a neat thing because I want to tell you something, you guys. Uh, <laughs> lay people sit around and they talk about the priests. And then you're like, I wonder what priests talk about when they sit around. <laughs> well, I can tell you a little secret here. You guys sit around and you guys go, well, I wish... I Holy priest, who's your pastor? Oh, you got him. Well, it's only 10 years. <laughs> you know, it's like, we waited this guy out. We'll wait out for another one. We want to, you know, it's like so funny, you know. Well, when the priests get around, we sit around and we're like, man, I wish I had some holy lay people, you know. <laughs> Who do you got at your parish? Oh, I got, you know, Jim Bob. Who do you got? Oh, I got Sally. Oh, man, it's hard. I was with that one. Oh, she's a mess. <laughs> 
and, and so it's like too funny because the two sides are both waiting for the other side to kick it in gear, you know? <laughs> I think that between the two, I mean, obviously the priest has a role of inspiration. I just want to throw you at your role of inspiration for a second, though, because when you kick it in gear like Greg is doing here in his living room, I mean, he's got two priests standing in front of him, both of whom are now motivated and charged and excited because we're surrounded by a team of people who got our backs and who want to see our mission succeed. Well, I mean, that's extremely uplifting, you guys. And all you just did is you communicated love. You opened yourself up and you said, what we got, we share. Now, that means that the fellowship has to be true. To communicate love within your family, I want to just challenge you here. Do your children know and feel your love for them? Don't say yes too easily. Be kind of neat to ask them. Why not? Have your spouse do it. Do you know, do you know that dad loves you? Yeah. When was the last time, dads, that you actually told it? Uh, you say it in different ways. I know. But I love you is kind of a universal language. <laughs> you can buy the dog, the dog. You can wash the dog. But if you don't say I love you with those three words, you might not be communicating the language. And then what happens is you think you're communicating love, but you're not. And then what happens is that you're dying inside because your family is not the way it should be. And everybody else can talk, but your kids are secretly hating you. There's that quote I love very much by Peter Kraft. He asked, or Scott Hahn asked Peter Kraft, what book are you most proud of? Peter Kraft's a little bit older than Scott Hahn. Because I guess, you know, when you're getting in this, you know, as a young person, I'm 40, man, I can't wait. I'm going to turn out a book a year. This is great. You know, I can't wait. EWTS. So you're like, you know, he asked Peter Kraft, what book are you most proud of? Peter Kraft said, the one that I didn't write all the years that I was home with my kids. Isn't that awesome? Communicating love. It's a mission that's tangible, physical, real. And it's not just when they're little, it's not just when they're kids. Adults need to be communicated love as well. Your spouse needs to have a communication of love as well. There's a great book, The Five Love Languages. It's full of defects, I'm sure. But it also makes a really valid point. <laughs> that is, communication needs to be received. Is your spouse receiving the love you're putting down? Are they reading the book you're writing? It's neat to be able to challenge yourself there and then be able to say, how cool is this? Instead of looking at the defeat, you guys, look at the opportunity that you have. I get to bring the love of God right into her heart. And that's the number one calling that I have in this world. And that's why the priests preach. And that's why the nuns minister. You are the front lines as the family. You're the height of the pyramid. It's not the priest. We always think that. We're like, oh, the holy ones, the father. You know, it's like ridiculous. I'm just a foot washer. <laughs> I'm there to take out the garbage. I'm there to bandage the wounds. But the people for which I serve, it's your families. That's the end. And you're like, well, what more than the family? There's nothing more than the family. It's it. That's the family. It's you bringing God's love really, not by a radio station, by shared life, communicating it. So now take a hold of that opportunity. Be like no one else in this world is called dad to that kid. No one. What a neat opportunity. I think a lot of times dads get holed up because you don't think you're good. Dad, you don't have to be good. If you're dad, you'll be good. Just be dad. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like, well, I don't I really know. Just be yourself there. Give what you have. Your kids will just drink it up like water. Because they all want deep down inside that relationship. Dad cares about me. 
Now there are wounds. I don't want to make it sound too idealistic. There's all kinds of difficulties and there's always ornery stuff. That's all secondary and it's all true, you know. But like the fundamental thing is that, okay, I have a mission and an opportunity. I get to let people be loved. As a priest, I work with your young people when they are broken. And I've had cases that I have not been able to heal. And I mean, I pray, I pray over, and may God didn't give his gift, whatever. I don't know what the story is. I did my job. But I'm looking and I'm just like, only a dad could fix this. Only a mom could fix this. I mean, if they didn't have a birthday party at age six, they didn't have a birthday party at age eight, if they didn't, weren't there to be consoled. I mean, like, what am I supposed to do with this person? You know, I'm, I'm a professional. I can't sit there and hold them and rock them. In the, but that's what they need. And if I could just get a hold of those dang parents, I would tell them that their 28-year-old is depressed and hates her life and will never amount to anything because deep down inside, they just are longing for you. Now, again, you can feel guilty. You must never feel guilty. We all make mistakes. It's not about the past. It's about the future. But there's your opportunity. So if you're like, yeah, I, I did miss it. I mean, I did a good job with three, two of them, a little bit less than the last one. <laughs> My wife took care of. Okay, so like, <laughs> good. You know, that's called humanity. That will always be the case, you guys. But like at the same time, it's like starting tonight, starting tonight, my mission is to bring that love to that child. To bring that love to that spouse. Bring that love to that grandma who's in the nursing home and I don't have time to visit. Well, you don't have much more time to try. So you can kick it into gear. What else am I doing? I got 24 hours in a day. I'm choosing to use them. Now we're going to have a 25th. Grandma's not a priority. Mistake. Grandma needs to be a priority because your mission is towards her. Honor your father and your mother. And I, so like, I know it's tough. I have the same problem. I have the same temptations. Bill O'Reilly's already voted to talk to me. You know, <laughs> so, oh man, what's Bill? That's oh, very important. You know, <laughs> he's talking to me. That's ridiculous. I know it's hard. But at the same time, what an opportunity. I get to send my mom, my grandma, my aunt to God. In the end, that's I'm going to be surrounded by a cloud of witnesses who are going to thank me. So I was summoned by Greg to challenge you. Normally, I'm a fun guy. You know, My talk tomorrow will be a lot more fun. <laughs> Same time, though, I wanted to fill up that. I wanted to challenge you. I wanted you to hear that the depth needs to be there. Okay, so like put the depth down. Don't worry that you're not going to be a good coach. The deeper that you are committed to relationships, the less time you have for Bill O'Reilly. Honestly. And whatever else it is, the horses, the whatever kind of escapes that we all have, unless you need them. Okay? It's like you choose to invest your life in love and it fills. And again, there can be failures. There can be, you know, remember the crucified Lord is victorious over the failures. Don't quit. So don't allow yourself to say it's over. Don't allow the world to say it's over. Don't allow the devil to say it's over. It ain't over till you win. Wow, what a truly inspiring talk by Father Nathan Cromley. And I don't know about you, but following great presentations like that, I'm always confronted with the question, what real difference does it make? What am I going to do differently to respond to the things that he said to receive that gift of God's grace? And if you're thinking that, like me, I want to invite you to make a commitment right now. On January 13th, Saturday at St. Joan of Arc, we're inviting you to join us for our first ever Lit Marriage Mission Retreat, led by Father Nathan Cromley. If you want to find out more about that, go to massimpact.us forward slash Lit 
marriage. Now, what's special about this is that Father's going to take us all the deeper of the themes that he just shared in his talk with us. And following this great retreat, the couples that are signing up, we're strongly going to encourage them to be involved in what we call a lit group for seven weeks. Now, what's that? You've heard us if you've been on Mass Impact website or if you've tuned into Ignite Radio Live. Um, you understand that lit is an abbreviation for live image trinity. It also obviously has part of the fire metaphor to light something up. Well, for seven weeks, on a regular weeknight, we're going to invite you to commit to gathering with four other couples, you and your spouse with four other couples in a context that's going to be supportive, encouraging, and open your hearts and minds all the more to the subsequent Sunday gospel. Uh, If that speaks to you, we know it may be a challenge, but guess what? We don't we don't grow if we don't stretch. Um, if right now you're hearing me and you just you know something's moving you and you're looking for maybe that, that game changer, that stretch mark that you know uh, God wants to press in on you and pour all the more grace in your marriage, this is it. This is speaking to you. Right now, it's, it's filling up rather quickly with people who are interested in this. So don't waste another moment. Go to massimpact.us forward slash lit marriage and join us for this great opportunity. 